Right, and we've kicked off. It is the Play On podcast at Podcast Play On. Don't forget you can hit us up on all podcast streaming platforms. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe, share as we get you through these ongoing tough times. But there is light at the end of the tunnel, at the football, the footballers' tunnel. It is your host, co-host Ben English. How you doing, Ash? How you doing? I'm all good. I'm all good, brother. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. We're back for another episode. And Cal, how you doing, bro? Yeah, I'm not bad myself, Ben. I hope you and Ash are both doing well. You... Um, yeah, brother. Hope you're very well. well. We're very well. As we're uh, we're cracking just, on. I was we... just thinking before we move on, we we got to get Ash a presenter name. Ash, we're gonna have to get you a little presenter <laughs> name, like something sounding snazzy, like yeah. Ben English, you know. <laughs> Now, Ash works, you know. Like, let's just keep it simple. You know what I mean? <laughs> Ash, man. Ash. Yeah, no fair. Ash, man, 858. Boo. Chalk, nah, chalk, on, the, chalk on the boots. Chalk on the boots. <laughs> wide, wide man. Wide man. Not a waste, man. And Cowdy Enforcer uh, making sure everything runs smoothly. So, gentlemen... <clears throat> Good to have you here and our listeners. Thank you once again. If it's your first time or you're sharing it with someone else, we really appreciate you. Like I said, just Google... Beer, Rap and Banner, uh, that's the umbrella. All the podcasts are under there and check us out. Um, we've got some football to get through. Obviously, thank you to the German League. The Bundesliga has been playing. But uh, today, as always, we're going to have a season review of uh, signings of the season and an honourable mention to some of the players of the season so far. And then update on Corona 11 or a Corona update and then general news, which we can get into with a bit more detail. Um yeah, we've already got the pleasantries out of the way, sort of Ash, you've been okay? Yeah, man. I've been I've been all right. I've been all right. Um having football back was really weird because I was watching it and it was nice to have it there, but I still kind of felt, why are we really doing this? But we have to give thanks that football's back. So That's it, that's it. And we're gonna kick start with your season review. So those that may be unfamiliar, we've always <laughs> Just done a review while the football in the Premier League has been on a bit of a break with goals of the month, player of the month, manager of the month, young players of the season. And at the, this episode, we are touching on... Signings of the season. So, yes. um, yeah, there's always a lot of money that goes into the Premier League um, and a big part of that goes into pay, player acquisition and player wages. So if we cast our mind back to kind of August, some of the big signings that, were, that had taken place... Um, were the following players. So we had Rodri from Manchester City. We had Pepe at Arsenal. We had Maguire and Aaron Wan-Bissaka at, at um, United. Aozi Perez left Newcastle to go to Leicester. Um, Tan- Tanganga and Dombele um, left the French League to come to Spurs. We had Sabayos come from Real Madrid on loan as well to Arsenal. Pulisic um, left Dortmund to go to Chelsea. We had Moyes Keane from Juventus all the way down to Everton. And then we also had Joe Linton, a £14 million striker for Newcastle, breaking their, their transfer record for the first time in like 15, 16 years. And then we also had Danny Ings, Tyrone Mings and Kovacic going from Real Madrid to Chelsea. So that's, that's 15 players. Um, they were like the biggest signings back in August. Out of those guys... Who would you say were your personal like, top signings of the season? Um, well, I would say sort of just from a personal point of view, and I think you, you, you'll agree on this, we touched on this, was Kovacic for Chelsea. Mm. Um, just technically what he provided was just was this world-class and he provided that bit of sort of um, 
insurance in midfield where Kante was running around there, Jorginho as well, and Mason Mount was pushing on. But Kovacic was pulling the strings. Uh, his his first touch, just the technical ability was was just amazing, and just how he saw the game really really helped step Chelsea up a lot. And then I was really impressed with Danny Ings, who, mm. as we as we know in the Premier League, you know goals. You know, you need to have a good good defence, obviously, but goals help you win games, as the cliche says. And I think Southampton have always sort of shied away from that. Uh, Shane mm. Long, Shane Long didn't really provide that. Um, and then when Ings came in, he was just you know a, a local boy, didn't really work out for him at Liverpool for injuries or whatever. And then he's gone in and he's just scoring goals left, right, and centre. They're coming off, you know, just every part of his body. Great finishing, really yeah. sharp. So I was really positive with him. So I, I, I'd say Ings and Kovacic. Um, what, you, what about yourself, Ash? Yeah, I'd go with those two. Um, I think Kovacic has been outstanding. And I think there was a stage where last year when Jorginho kind of came and he got like a, a lot of flack. And some, some Chelsea fans were like, mm, I don't know if we should be paying 40 mil towards him from, from Real Madrid. I think there's other players who we could maybe go and get. But I think, he, I think he's been very, very good. And actually, if I think about a team of the season... He would be he would be in there for me. I've been really underwhelmed with a lot of the signings. I mean, you've got someone like Rodri who's gone to Manchester City. Um, you expected really big things for him to kind of go and become the new Fernandinho, mm. anchor that midfield, kind of really command things. But I do feel a bit sorry for him as well because obviously the centre backs behind him, there was so much change. It wasn't as stable as it normally is at Man City, so maybe he wasn't able to kind of like build the relationships that he needs. Obviously, as Arsenal fans, we've had Nicola Pepe come in. Um, there were huge promise. Came off the bench. He's the first person to dribble past Van Dyke. <laughs> um, um, that seems to be the big thing that he did. And then it took it took a while. Then there was a stage where he was just seen as a set piece um, expert. But towards the end, towards the end of the season, well, what we saw has been um, COVID. Um, he started to kind of pick up. But yeah, there was just real disappointment. A lot of money was spent on a number of players and I just mm. didn't really see much kind of come from them. Cal, what yeah. do you think about signing of the season as such? Um, well, personally, I'm not so sure about Kovacic, but when mm-hmm. I speak to other football fans, everybody says he's Chelsea's best player mm. and he's been absolutely amazing. So I, I think he's got to be there or thereabouts. Um Ings scored a lot of goals. You know, he's in my fantasy football team. If the FPL ever kicks off, um, he might get a few more points for me. Um, And uh, he's been sensational, hasn't he? Just putting the ball in the back of the net on a regular basis. Um, So he's got to be one of the uh, the signings of the season. Um, Would have been for quite a cheap fee. I'm not sure exactly what the transfer fee was, but it it wouldn't have been too high. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't that heavy, actually, Um, which I think is quite decent. We had the two guys from United, and I know that, again towards the end of the, the 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 last few games, they were doing well. And then there's like a bit of um, an honourable mention to Bruno Fernandes, who only played five league games, but United completely looked transformed with him in their side. Um, yeah, so, personally, yet, I think Bruno Fernandes is, is definitely one looking like an absolute world-class player. I said it before mm. Man United signed him, that I was scared if he comes to the league, he's mm. going to tear things up because he looks like a world-class player. And, He's done exactly what I thought he was mm. going to do, to be honest. Yeah. So um, I expect him to cr- keep cracking on until the end of the season. Pepe as well is a player that I really like. I don't think he's quite shown us his true potential yet. 
I do think he's got another gear to get into. And we could just, with this time that uh, Arteta's now got with his squad, to give them instructions and kind of have like a pre-season for this second half of the season, I think that we could see more from Pepe. Pepe could prove to be one of the best signings of the season. Mm. I think think with the signings, I mean, Bruno Fernandes was brought in uh, later on in the transfer window and he settled in straight away, which... Mm. For a club the size of Man United and the position that he was playing in, he he, he took every uh, you know wanted every free kick, penalty. He was the the link up player to push the attack for Martial and Rashford. So he really took the weight of the the team on his shoulders while Pogba was was off and you know relieving that pressure for Martial mm. and then and then an injured Rashford. So he obviously gets the mention uh, and Kovacic. So going back to these two. They're the foreign imports that have just settled into the Premier League straight away. Um, of the foreign players who came in, it took them a while. Pepe was sort of, there was so mm. much pressure on him and then he slowly came into it. Um, I was really happy with Sabios uh, when he first started and then he just dipped uh, in form and then Arteta and Emery didn't really take to him. And it wasn't until recently when he was played with Xhaka that he, he, he does offer a lot. So I'm really uh, pleased and hopeful with what I saw and hopefully Arsenal can keep mm. him and he was a lot but um, yeah so it, it was an interesting time Rodri just echoing what you were saying and Perez not so much doing a sort of they were expected to set the world alight and in injuries or, or just inconsistency mm. um, and then Indombele who's you know Spurs fans are screaming out as world class I know he'll come good uh, when we return Moise Keane it's been hard um, you know as a striker and for a team like Everton where you'll only get a few chances and you need to make them count. Yeah. You know, he, he wasn't quite as sharp. And then obviously Calvert-Lewin has, has stepped in, so he's, he's lost his place there. And Joe Linden Matt. is just a flop, so... <laughs> yeah. The one, the one for me that I'm really looking at is, is, is Endombele. Because like I said, when he's on the ball, like he looks like yeah, yeah. When he's off the ball, he just literally says, nah, nah. <laughs> like, he's just not on it. So... <laughs> so like I need to see more Yaya than Nana from him, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think he's got it. I think he's got the ability to be to be an absolute star in this league. So hopefully, hopefully we see it. Nice, nice. Um, moving on, we usually have the Corona uh, eleven, where players are, are interchanging into Ash's uh, ever formidable mm. team. Um, however, at the moment, there doesn't seem to be any news, especially from the Premier League, as mm. the exact players that have been diagnosed as having COVID nineteen. Ash, you just want to speak on this? Yeah, so they seem to they, they seem to be players who are who are being tested positive, um, but teams around not just the Premier League but in Italy as well as in Spain, they're essentially telling us that a teams like players from a team or staff members from a team have got it, but they won't actually divulge who those who those names are. So the so the Corona level stays the same. Um, the good thing about it is that they're they're definitely ramping up the testing. And we're getting really low numbers. So I think the second round of tests came out in the Premier League this today or yesterday. And there was only two confirmed cases, which shows that there is around these football clubs. Um, so they're obviously doing things that are right. But it still begs the point, should we even really be playing football? And should those tests be going elsewhere? I don't know. It's but, a very yeah, good so point. Far, so good. Um, if we mm. could just drill into the detail a little bit there, mm. Ash. Um, got this article here from uh, TalkSport mm. um, where it uh, it states, uh, it quotes the Premier League statement 
uh, saying mm-hmm. the Premier League can today confirm that on Tuesday the 19th of May, Thursday the 21st of May and Friday the 22nd of May, 996 players and club staff were tested for COVID-19 and of these two have tested positive from two clubs. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's not really that high to test almost a yeah. thousand people and to only have two people testing positive, but the mm-hmm. fact that people are testing positive is still a bit of a concern mm-hmm. that the league's going to be kicking off shortly, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I want to kind of start using this buzzword now. I keep seeing this this uh, project restart going around. Um, so uh, maybe we can use that the next time we record uh, and talk about the coronavirus updates affecting football. Yeah, yeah sure. Because I know Troy Deeney, just, just jumping here the notes, but I know Troy Deeney was, um, made the headlines just sort of saying he's he's taking the stance of refusing to to train at the moment due to the fact that his uh, child as well, I think one of his, I think his son suffers uh, from asthma and, mm-hmm. and because of, because Dini's, uh, you know, uh, uh, black and ethnic minorities, it was considered high in terms of the statistics of players catching it. So he's saying he's not ready to go back at all until it's completely safe. Uh, and hopefully, I mean, we want, we want football to resume. We, we're all universal on saying that, but obviously we mm-hmm. want it to be safe. Uh, and Troy Deeney is such a, a big spokesperson, not only for Watford, but for the league as well. Mm. Um, he's sort of taking a stance and saying, you know, no way am I going back till it's completely safe. And I know a lot of teams are back in training now. Um, Liverpool and Arsenal, there's been footage of, of, of the players uh, and the haircuts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or lack of haircuts, should we say, have, uh, have made the news. So we want it to be safe. And obviously, Troy Deeney, we support you in your decision and whatever yeah. you do. Safety first. 100%, 100%. And I think it's good that he's made this stand in, in such an articulate way because I think he's feeling how lots of people are feeling. Like, there's apprehension going back to kind of, like, work or going shopping and stuff like that. And footballers, as you always say, they're humans first. Mm. And they're going to be they're going to have apprehension. They're going to be worried as well. Just because they, they may be elite athletes doesn't mean they don't have the same feelings and thoughts that everyone else has. So I think this is really important that he's making a stand. Definitely, definitely. And I mean, we're seeing um, the lockdown relaxed a lot more. I know a lot of people have been going to like South End Beach and different parks. And you can't, I mean, people try to keep their distance, but you just, you couldn't, you can't do it. It's just too many people. So this could possibly cause another spike in cases. We don't want it to, we want everyone to be safe. Um, but you know, safe, safety first, safety first. It seems to be working okay at the moment in the German league, and mm. I know some of the other leagues are looking to return, which we can touch on shortly. So just just touch on that with the update of the Corona Eleven and Corona team. Moving on, moving on. Was there anything else, Ashley, you wanted to add to the? the no, 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 no. Just again, like we always said, we want everyone to stay safe, regardless of. Uh, we're hearing that a lot more people are going back to work, or or there's plans afoot for things to change. Just please stay safe. This whole stay alert thing, I don't really get it because it's it's something that's that's invisible. But yeah, just stay safe in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We touched on the Bundesliga returning, which seems to be going well, and I know I know people have been watching that or being up to date. Uh, the reason I say that now is just because uh, the Bayern Leverkusen team uh, was setting up uh, paper fans at the game against uh, Mönchengladbach. They had cardboard fans, um, and people fans had a chance to have their photo. Uh, used in in the crowd of a price of I think it was 19 euros. Um, I have to fact check that in a moment. But you could upload your photo. Money went to charity, 
uh, and the players said that they didn't feel as alone in the stadium and they were playing music and chants to sort of recreate that atmosphere. But I thought that was really interesting in the German league that they've been using mm. photos and pictures of fans. You could upload yourself with your family up there and, and, and keep an eye on that, um, which was interesting because then in South Korea, check this, guys. So um, before we move on, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. although they did all of that at Munchen Gladbach, they still didn't get the win. They got slapped up. <laughs> So, yeah, it, it gives a whole other meaning to... As well as they hoped it would. gives a whole other meaning to paper fans as well. If you're a paper fan, you're not a real fan. Um, the reason I say that is just in Korea. So, check this. So, South Korea Football League have imposed a record fine on FC Seoul, <laughs> who, instead of using uh, cardboard cutouts or paper pitch to their fans, there was a mix-up, allegedly, of uh, mannequin fans, and they actually had sex dolls. Um, in the in the in this in the stadium, so about two dozen sex dolls were seen dotted around the stadium, uh, <laughs> and this, this this is seen to have humiliated female fans and damaged the integrity of the club. So, South Korea Football League uh, imposed the eighty-one thousand dollar fine. So, what's that about seventy-nine thousand pounds or so fine on FC Seoul? So, it was um, it was it was pretty funny. If you look at the yeah, if you look at the uh, the fans there, these sex dolls, they're all women, strong hair. It does look it does look a bit out of uh, out of out of the ordinary. And also, which was funny, they were carrying posters of the name of this popular streamer, and the name of the streamer is is BJ <laughs> BJ Chero, BJ Chero, which I thought was funny. Um obviously oh more choice of words right here. It's all in the name. So um, I think it's interesting that, that they actually ended up getting fined in the end and it's a record fine in the South Korean league. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot in this article here from the guardian about that. And, um, I think what's the fee 100 million won, which sounds like the, uh, the currency, the currency they use in South Korea there, which mm. works out to be about 81,000 us dollars. Yeah. Um, crazy. And apparently, they deeply humiliated female football fans. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I, again, you just—it's one of those weird things where we can laugh at it now, but like you said, it, it does send the wrong message, and it's just something that it just seems so silly. Like, why would you even think of doing that? <laughs> that, that sometimes I try to go back to the origins of, and still trying to work out why would you do that. It doesn't make any sense, but... Well, they, they want to create an atmosphere, mm. and I know, sort of, the South Koreans uh, are often ahead of, ahead of the game or forward-thinking mm. nation and, you know, really tech-savvy. Mm. Um, I mean, there was a, they, they say there was a mix-up. I, yeah. I don't think they, they've intended to upset anyone, and they're a very proud nation, and they're building respect. Um, they tried to get an orgy of fans. Yeah. But they didn't quite work I gonna, out. <laughs> I, I was going to say, what, more positions in the stand oh, on the pitch. Well, their fans definitely Bum-bum. didn't suck. <laughs> Jesus. I kept it PC. We could do this all day. We can do this all day. I've got yeah, we really could. Double entendres. So that was interesting. And it just makes me think as well, just if, if we build on what they've done in Germany with the uh, cardboard fans and they've done in South Korea with the, the mannequin slash sex doll mix up of fans what they could impose in England 
um, with atmosphere and picture fans. I remember at Arsenal at the North Bank when that was taken down, or when they were doing developing, they had a big board with a picture uh, mm. of painting. And I'm not, it's not the same thing. I know obviously it's moved on considerably. And I know at the um, the new Tottenham Stadium, they 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 blast music to, uh, for fans cheering to create a bit more atmosphere. Um, and they have, they have done it other stadiums. So just what would they do moving forward in England, do you think? Do you think they'd have just completely silence? Um, and actually, you've got an interesting point about what happens if there's a big, meaningful game and there's no atmosphere. Yeah, I just think... So, <clears throat> for instance, we've got, um, Bayern, we've got Borussia Dortmund versus Bayern Munich this Tuesday. Now, there are four points between them. Um, Borussia Dortmund are at home. It's a big game. So, say, like, Borussia Dortmund scores a last-minute winner. And it's, it pulls them to one point behind Bayern Munich. That's going to be quite emotive. It's going to be quite really, really important. And people are just going to have to almost be like robots, bottle that up and just walk off calmly. It's, it's so strange that these really big moments now may not get the, the same emotion that we, that we kind of got before. And I just think football is it's an emotive sport. It's all about um, kind of creating that unity, collaboration, people coming together. I've been to games where I don't even know the person, but if you score, you're like you're shouting, you're jumping next to them. Taking that away from it just doesn't seem to feel right. And I know we need to get used to like the new normal. I completely understand that, but I'm just really worried that there's going to be some really important goals that mm. are just going to be just you're just going to walk off. And these these are going to be like crucial moments that are going to define seasons. And all that and all they're going to do is just be like, yep, okay, restart. There you go. Mm. Mm. Um, well, on the contrast though, do you think sort of uh, certain moments that would have uh, erupted into pushing and arguing and fighting on the pitch, which is obviously the mm-hmm. energy from the crowd, which have which might provide the catalyst for this, or it all links hand in hand. That might become less of an issue. So a, a, a naughty tackle or someone flying in where there's no crowd there mm-hmm. by the sidelines or no one uh, sort of throwing abuse or whatever uh, at the players, it will just get settled a lot more smoothly and quickly with there no fans being there so it's a sort of counter counter argument you could say yeah yeah fair fair and I think you think about even like decisions so maybe when you've got like someone in your ear as a linesman or something like that you're slightly distracted when there's absolute silence in the game you can just focus on the game a bit more um so there, there, there are there, there's so many arguments to and fro but I just think we're gonna there's gonna be a moment that's gonna be really huge to a season and it's just going to feel so surreal. Football's surreal anyway at the moment, but it's, that's mm. going to make it even more surreal. Mm. I'm, I'm enjoying some aspects. So some mm. of the Bundesliga I've watched is highlights on, on BT Sport or YouTube, whatever, where mm. you can hear uh, players sort of calling for the ball and you can hear mm. the, the sound of the ball being hit. I know that sounds really geeky, yeah. but... Yeah. Um, no, 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 it does. It does. It makes sense. Because sometimes you're hearing the ball, you're like, oh, that was a nice connection. And then you're seeing... The, and the, the, the yeah. arch, the, the, the trajectory of the ball, and it's like, oh, okay, I, I now understand how he hit the ball to get the ball yeah, to that yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know they're, they're sort of talking in German or whatever and, and going back and forth, uh, so we wouldn't really understand. But I, I'm always fascinated, and I feel this always should be the case if they had a mic up, mic'd up ref and, cam- mm. and microphones on the pitch, you could hear players going back and forth and what they'd be saying. And I know they sometimes yeah. do it in the NBA and in American... Mm sports like NFL and I mean you do hear swearing obviously but this would be an option for, mm. for adults to pay for an extra subscription to hear players back yeah. and forth talking the talk and I do miss the talking on the pitch and if you're a talker um, 
which I am on the football pitch, then I think it's so important. So you, you yeah, could, no. that that would be an interesting point of view. So it would be interesting to see what happens moving forward for the crowds, um, celebrations, you know, like pivotal moments, like you said. I mean, the league settled in our case in England. Mm. What would happen to the lower team, lower lower position teams? Yeah. For those those important places, and also FA Cup, which we'll come mm-hmm. on to in a bit, because it is FA Cup weekends. So we, we've missed that spark. So it's it's interesting to see, and hopefully it does get resolved resolved soon as other leagues are returning. Um, I know La Liga are returning on the eighth mm. of June um, in Spain. Teams are already training in groups of ten. Okay. And the second division is set to return at the same point. And I know there's only a few points between uh, first and second in the top flight of La Liga with Barcelona and Real Madrid. So plenty all to play for there. And also at relegation, there's only like three points or so separating four or five teams. And on, and just in addition, so it looks like Serie A have selected June 13th as their, as their return date. Nice. Um, so yeah, the only league that's waiting, the only big league is 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 us. Yeah, and so, Portugal, absolutely. Portugal set to re- mm. Portugal set to return slightly on in the fir- early on the third of June, uh, with mm. Porto leading rivals Benfica by a point, and they're due to play. Um, and there's ten games to go, so it just seems that the Premier League is. I mean. We were we were later in the lockdown and then have since mm. suffered the consequences due to the government's sort of lack of action, for want of a better word. So I can see why it's taking a bit more of a delay. Uh, but the other countries are now leading the way and reopening and training is taking place and the game should be starting, fingers crossed, touch wood, with their no issues. So hopefully we can follow. Um, I know that in Scotland... We had a note here about Celtic being uh, awarded the league, which we covered on slightly before. But there, it's, it's ended in Scotland. Celtic win nine in a row. Maybe it's a bit bit harder to call in countries where it's probably generating a lot more money mm. and a bigger interest globally. Money, money, you know, money talks. As we know, the Premier League is the biggest and arguably the best league in the world. Generates the most money, so they obviously want to see it through and offer some sort of closure. Yeah, no, I think that, and that's and that's the driving point. And I think that's why I've been kind of so against some of the leagues coming back because it doesn't sound like it's a health decision. It sounds like it's a financial decision. Mm, mm. And if you think about, um, I know we're going to get onto it in a second, but the French president was basically slammed. Um, the, sorry, the Lyon president slammed the French league for ending early when other teams have kind of come back. Which again, if they've taken the steps to be like, no, we'd rather get ready for next season and make sure everything's all right, then. You kind of, I, I commend them. However, there is the flip side of that saying football needs to happen, seasons need to be finished. Um, I, 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 I've said it a million times. It is unprecedented. We've never been in circumstances like this before. Mm-hmm. However, having said that, as a result of that, we should be taking even more care to make sure that we don't have a return to this. Yeah, and that's yeah. my big thing. Prevention is better than cure. That's it, that's it. And everyone's just staying safe. Carol, mm-hmm. I don't know what your, your thoughts are on, on the leagues, on the other leagues starting back. Um, yeah, you know, I think it's one of these things where everybody's going to be excited to see the football come back, but it will be interesting to see how each league does it. You know, funny story with the, uh, the South Korean league and, and the sex dolls, um, Bundesliga with the, uh, the paper, 
players and stuff. So, you know, every country is going to have their little quirks and stuff, aren't they, to the way that they do it. Uh, but obviously, uh, safety of the public and of the players, of, of everybody involved, is of the utmost importance. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, if everything can get done and people can be safe, I, I, I don't know, man. I could just see there being some kind of a news story in one of these leagues that have resumed where there's been some kind of an outbreak. I mean, I know there's supposed to be testing going on and everything's supposed to be controlled, but, I mean, numbers are still... still, still uh, even in China, I think, where um, the coronavirus originated, I did see not too long ago that after they felt that everything was under control and that the, um, the pandemic was over, there was like a second wave with one or two more, maybe even more, I can't say specific numbers, but there were reported um, spreads of the uh, virus. So um, there was talk about there possibly being a second wave in the UK um, and uh, maybe in other countries as well, we'll see. Uh, so, you know, keeping a watchful, sceptical eye on everything that's going on, mm-hmm. um, but happy that football's back. Nice. Yeah, I just had a mad, mad vision of like in South Korea if they, if they scored a goal and they run into the uh, run into the crowd of the sex dolls, how they'd be celebrating. If they'd be like, uh... <laughs> or if they uh, if they celebrated with the cardboard cutouts or a high five to a cardboard cutout. Yeah, yeah. I never forget. I never forget. There was one match where I think they, you could have fans, but no one turned up. So the guy scored, jumped over sat in the stand, clapped for himself and then jumped back in. Nice, nice. So there's got there's to there's be some amazing celebrations. There has to be. <laughs> there has to be off there'll, the back There'll of be this. like the ultimate FIFA, ultimate FIFA 20 celebration. I know in Germany they're, they're sort of touching elbows and they're not really high-fiving. Um, and one German team, they scored and they were like jokingly pushing everyone away, like keep your distance, keep your distance. And then in the end, they just all mobbed him and jumped on him. And, you know, I mean, you're not going to escape it, but... Mm. Uh, yeah, that's it. We hope to see the league starting in England and now teams have been training. Uh, so moving on, Ash, you got this thing about Manchester United sues football manager makers over the use of their name. Yeah, so um, a really random story. So obviously football manager is an, a staple for many, many football fans. I've lost so many hours of sleep on it. Um, I remember doing that. That was essentially my, my um, degree. I do like one hour of work and six hours of football manager. Hence why I maybe didn't get the grades I should have got. Um, but yeah, so what happened is, so obviously in football manager, you have all the leagues from all around the world and all the team names are there. But all of a sudden, Man United now feel empowered to kind of sue football manager um, for excessive use of their name. Mm. Now, I mean... It's a bit extreme, isn't it? Know. I don't even know where to start with this. I mean... This, this game's been running for like 20... It was initially championship manager, then became yeah. football manager. Um, this game's been running for 20, 25 years. Your name's been there. There's obviously slight, like licenses and contracts that need to be signed. Yet all of a sudden, there's excessive use of your name. I, I'm really baffled by this story, but... Yeah, it says it's been, you know, uh, it's predecessor championship manager since 92 mm-hmm. without comp, uh, complaints by the mm-hmm. claimant. I would have assumed that all the football teams license their names and then they're used mm. for FIFA and I don't know if Pez has it now. I know there was always issues with Pez. Yes. For team names. Uh, it just seems, you know, Man United, just, I don't know, a bit bored there. So just trying mm. to make the most out of the situation, what's going on. But we do hope it gets settled and I can remember many, 
many days and weeks spending uh, spent at university and, and, and college and stuff playing these these manager games. So we yeah, see good how, times, how, good times, good stuff. That develops. Going from one manager to the next, if I'm conscious of times, we're gonna before the quiz, we're gonna talk about where's the notes we have got the Guardian. Yeah. yeah. So in an attempt to sort of be re-elected uh, by Barcelona. Again, he's he's saying he wants to bring back Pep Guardiola and relive the golden years, that great 2011 team, which is noted as, as indefinitely in the top three, if not the greatest footballing side of any generation. Uh, do you think he'll go back? I mean, he um, says he says he wants to see through this this issue with Man City and the and the ban in Europe. Um, it could be that he's. He's done as far as he's done as all he can, especially if they if they're banned like this and it, and it's you know and it carries itself through. But does it go back? Do you ever go back? It's like going back to your ex. Do you go back? I I think he does go back. I don't think he goes back now. I think he may go to PSG. I think he may go to to Italy. I think especially Italy will be of interest to him. And then maybe towards the end of his career, he kind of wraps up at Barcelona. I can see that happening, but I think right now is not the time. But as we know, whenever like these Spanish um, presidents want to get elected, there's always, I'm going to bring this player or I'm going to bring this manager back. Or they always base their campaign on on a star or on certain promises. Yeah, so I remember um, Real Madrid, I think um, Perez, the, the president, mm-hmm. said, uh, re-elect me and I'll bring Ronaldo and I'll bring um, Kaká. And he did, but he had to sell the training ground to, to, like, to finance some of these deals. So... Um, it's really, it is. It's it's really. It's kind. Of, it's, I won't say it's a moral, but they definitely use a lot of hyperbole to get to get people on side. Um, but Pep is down as being the best coach in the world, or one of the best coaches in the world. To get him back, considering what Barcelona have been doing in the last few years, yeah, I'm sure he would improve them. Um, but I think it's more down to players with Barcelona now. They need a they need a real revamp, and they need to get rid of a lot of dead wood, um, mm. and they need to just reshape how they play football. So yeah, yeah. they've not been they've not been their sort of usual selves. I mean, no. I know they're, they're doing well at the, uh, in the league, um, and then obviously when when your best players are getting on a bit, they've lost in the and Xavi. Messi's getting on a bit. Uh, Griezmann's sort of was a strange acquisition. Mm. And I still don't know if he fits there. So uh, moving to Italy will be interesting. I know Italy's having a resurgence with some great managers there, uh, Conte and, and Sari, and, and a lot of players are moving over there. So that would be an interesting move to go to Italy. I don't think he should return, not yet, and maybe mm. go back sort of uh, as a as a some sort of contributor of, of, of football behind the scenes with Barcelona because he he embeds their ideologies that were put in place through Cruyff and even, you know, over the years uh, with the Dutch link. So it'll be interesting to see what he has to offer from a from a different point of view rather than being a coach on the sidelines. So, mm. yeah, it'll be seen. And then moving on from one manager to another, there was a really interesting uh, inter- um, interview and article with Pochettino in The Guardian where they sat down with him and they just spoke about him now finally leaving uh, Tottenham. So he severed all ties he was on gardening leave and then uh, now with the lockdown, just he's had a bit more time to reflect on things. Um, he was saying oh, the main headline was ultimately that he's happy with Mourinho taking his role and that he's always had a good relationship with Mourinho when he was at Espanyol. Mourinho was at Madrid and they shared bottles of wine and 
they was always having a laugh and, and he'd sort of share ideas with him um, that he sort of he's ha- he still finds it hard to accept the Champions League loss um, mm. they were the better team on the night and they should have won the Champions League uh, but they didn't they bottled it for whatever reason or they just ran out of steam maybe they put too much into those other games leading up to it but he said he still sort of found it difficult to accept that game and the penalty absolutely changed the, the course of the game whether you believe it was a penalty or it wasn't Mm. Uh, but yeah, it was a really interesting interview, and I, I've got a lot of time for Pochettino. You know, he, yeah. he was a great, great player for Argentina, and he did really well with Southampton and Espanyol, and and then Spurs. Uh, I don't know what your views are on the man himself. Yeah, so I think in our Northland derby special, I was quite surprised by some of the responses from the two Tottenham fans. Like one of them was really pro um, Mourinho, the other one was kind of indifferent, but obviously still had a lot of love for Poch. I know it went wrong towards the end. I think he did make a couple of bad decisions. I think not playing Lucas Moura in a Champions League final still yeah. is something that completely baffles me, um, considering how well, considering the form he was in, how he got them there. Um, and I think you could have still made space for him in that team and still brought back Kane if you really wanted to. Yeah. Um, but I just think um, it's all about cycles. And sometimes you get to the end of a cycle... And you have to do something different and you have to think, okay, you know what, this is actually the time to sabotage. And mm. I think Spurs and Spurs and Pochettino got to that point. And I think when when football's back and he goes he picks up a new job, he's gonna do exceptionally well and he's gonna benefit from this experience. Yeah. Well he said a really interesting quote. He said, I'm very open to wait for the seduction of the project rather than the country. It's about mm. the club. So it's more about what mm. the club has to offer behind the scenes, the players. Uh, you know, the environment that they're in, the support that the club offers. So uh, I think he's enjoyed this time off. Uh, obviously, he's on lockdown and he's, I think he's got two boys that are growing up. One of his boys is on the uh, Tottenham Academy as well. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see that. And then he ends with talking about uh, how we view success, you know, wanting to win trophies and referencing. I mean, he made an re- interesting reference with like Sir Alex Ferguson and Michael Jordan didn't win anything till a bit later on in their career. Mm. Uh, and he says, people can measure successful people in different ways. If you don't win a trophy, does that then mean that you're not successful? Uh, as a coach, it's, it's more about what you do uh, with the club and players rather than, than winning trophies. Although, however, you will be, you know, you and I know and our listeners know, you will be sort of mm. viewed on, on, on what you've, the legacy you've left and what you've won ultimately, which, which for him, unfortunately for Spurs, was... Very little. However, he did so much for the club. So, really interesting article worth checking out in the Guardian. Uh, Cal, you a Pochettino fan? Um, I definitely wasn't a fan when people were saying he should come to Arsenal. Um, I like him as a man, but I don't like him that much, mate. <laughs> oh, I would have taken him, 100%. Nah, no thanks, man. No thanks. Uh, very happy with our Mikel Arteta. Um, and uh, although uh, Emery does have his critics... Um, I didn't mind, you know, Emery that much. I still think he's a top coach and he'll be successful yeah. wherever he goes when he does move on. Um, I did think that was um, a really interesting article you found there with that interview um, and uh, gave it a quick nose through. And I liked the um, I liked the part where Poch mentioned he was actually having a little coffee with uh, you yeah. and Emery and they were kind of sharing their ideas and their methods because um, they used to be enemies, but neither of them are, are at... Uh, the last clubs they were at, Spurs and Arsenal, and now they're friends. 
So it was, yeah. it was quite. It was quite actually quite cool. And uh, the fact that they kind of like mentioned where it was as well, literally like, oh yeah, we went for a coffee in North London. Uh, it's kind of brings you a bit closer to it you know they're, they're not these lofty Premier League managers that you see on the TV anymore they're just a couple of guys having a coffee in a cock yeah, it was, <laughs> it, no it was good it was good to sort of see that they're um, they're getting on and, sh- and sharing their views and stuff so that was that was really positive right so as we round up this episode we always like to come to uh, some sort of ending uh, and that ending usually involves a quiz with our guests or with Cal against Ash and the listeners so as it is the FA Cup uh, weekend, it was this FA Cup weekend and we've all got our own special memories um, with FA Cup, I'm just going to share my memory of FA Cup and then the quiz and then I don't know if the lads want to share theirs but I was just speaking to Cal off air and we went to Berlin for my stag do and it was the uh, FA Cup final a few years ago when Arsenal beat Chelsea and Ramsey popped up with a late winner and we were celebrating, all the lads were in Germany. Uh, it was bringing together loads of different friends. Um, I was going to get married. I was completely off my nut. And it was just, and, and the whole bar, the whole bar was full of gooners just coming together. And that was, and it was the German Cup final the same day. So the whole city had a buzz. So that was, that was my FA Cup moment. I don't know if either of you want to share yours. So one of my earliest football, footballing memories is the FA Cup final of 93. Um, when Arsenal won it um, against Sheffield Wednesday. But we also beat Sheffield Wednesday in the Carling Cup final, um, 2-1. And then we had a replay, and I remember Ian Wright scored. um, And, yeah, I just that was one of my earliest footballing memories. Wright, he scored in all the finals and was sick. Um, But, yeah, that was was, one of my earliest footballing memories, was that final. And I still remember it really, really clearly. I remember the replay being a Wednesday night. I had school. But there's like, no, nah, you can watch it. And I just remember like going absolutely crazy off of the back of that. So, yeah, that was dope. Nice. Cal? Um, sorry, can you repeat the question, mate? Just a sort of a, a long-lasting FA Cup final memory, whether it be for your own team or just an FA Cup that you experienced that you like, yeah, this is, this is a great memory. It's, it's that bloody goal that Michael Owen scored against us. <laughs> oh. I'll never forget that. Oh. <laughs> FA Cup nightmare. <laughs> oh mate, oh mate, we beat two players and then he Easy just got one. it through Adam's legs to that was on TV last night. Um Oh was it? Yeah, Ashley Cole's uh choice of the game. So yeah, all 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 good, all bad. Um and Arsenal most frequent FA Cup mm. winners, which is positive. Right, moving on, here we go, lads, ready. So the quiz and listeners feel free to join in. First one, then it's multiple choice. Which player Became the first to score in four different finals. Was it Didier Drogba, Patrick Vieira, Aaron Ramsey, Jarvis Kenrick? Which player became the first to score in four different finals? Didier Drogba, Patrick Vieira, Aaron Ramsey, Jarvis Kenrick. I'm going to go with uh, Drogba. Ash? Never even heard of Drogba. Drogba? Yeah, Drogba. Correct. Only one non-English team has ever won the FA Cup. Who was it? Only one non-English team has ever won the FA Cup. Who was it? Swansea City, Celtic, Rangers, Cardiff City. Cardiff. Swansea. It was Cardiff. said that with confidence, didn't you, Ash? Yeah, I knew that one. Who is the only player to have scored a hat-trick in an FA Cup final at Wembley? 
who was the only player to have ever scored a hat-trick in an FA Cup final at Wembley. Stan Matthews, Stan Mortensen, Didier Drogba, Jarvis Kenrick. Stan Matthews? Stan Matthews. It was, it was a Stan, but it was the other Stan, Stan mm. Mortensen. Moving on. Which club holds the largest record for the largest winning margin in an FA Cup final? Chelsea, Blackpool, Tottenham Hotspur, Berry. Chelsea. It's got to be the trick question, isn't it? I thought it was going to be Man City because they battered thing last time. Yeah, um, I don't know how up to date this is, but this is this the, these are the possible ones I've got. Tottenham. Tell what are you saying? Chelsea, Blackpool, Tottenham yeah, Chelsea, Hotspur, or Berry? Chelsea, my, my guess. It was Berry. Mm. I knew it was a trick question. You would never think Barry, would you? Right. The fastest goal scored in the FA Cup final is timed at 27.9 seconds into the match. Oh, Which player scored it? Drogba, Saha, uh, Saha, Dimiteo or Lofthouse? Dimiteo. Lofthouse. Louis Saha. Ah. Louis Saha. Uh, which of these stadiums has not hosted an FA Cup final? Bramall Lane, Hillsborough, Goodison Park, Stamford Bridge. Which of these stadiums has not hosted an FA Cup Stanford final? Stamford Bridge. Bramall Lane, Hillsborough, Goodison Park, Stamford Bridge. Stamford Bridge. Cal? Stamford Bridge. It was Hillsborough. Oh, wow. Has not hosted not an sure. FA Cup final. Which of these stadiums has hosted an FA Cup final? Fallowfield Stadium, Anfield, Main Road, St. James Park. Anfield. St. Mm, James's Park. It was Fallowfield Stadium. Is Where hard? is that? <laughs> this, this quiz is tough. Man, all your quizzes are tough, Ben. Here we go. This one you should get. Only two FA Cup finals have been decided by a penalty shootout and they were consecutive finals. Which year, which years were they? 2004, 2005, 2005, 2006, 2006, 2007 or 2007, 2008? 2005, 2006. Oh, I'm going 4-5. It was 2005, 2006. Arsenal, United. The worst and Liverpool, Liverpool, West Ham? Yes, which, yes, bonus point. I'm joking. No bonus points. In years gone by, and if the final ended in a draw, a replay would have required a would a replay would be required. But when was the last FA Cup final replay played? When was the last FA Cup final replay played? 95, 94, 91, 93. I think you might have talked. You might have spoke about this in the. Um... Yeah, 93. Cal. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Ash. Yeah, correct. It's a confident answer. Yeah. Which there's bloody loads, man. Where was the first FA Cup final played? Wembley, Crystal Palace, Kennington Oval, Lily Bridge. Lily Bridge. Oval. Oval, Kennington Oval. Uh shall I keep going? We're about halfway through, there's loads, man. Jarvis Kenrick played in the FA Cup finals for both the Wanderers and Clapham Rovers. Winning the cup with both teams, but what is his claim to fame? In the FA Cup final, he switched teams at half-time. 
He was the first player to score a goal in an FA Cup final. He was the first player to be carded in an FA Cup final. He was the first player to be substituted in an FA Cup final. So did he switch teams? First to score a goal, first to be carded, or first to be substituted? Hard, I'd say. Substituted. He was the first player to score a goal. Mm. That's a good pub quiz one. And last one, because there's so many. Who were the last non-league team to win the FA Cup? Thames Ironworks, now known as West Ham United, the Royal Engineers, Blackburn Olympic, Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> Tottenham for battle. <laughs> Royal Engineers. It is Tottenham as well. <laughs> ah. <laughs> okay, and that concludes. We'll be here all day and I'm just conscious of time. So that concludes our FA Cup quiz. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for trying to take part if you did. And well done if you knew the answers. As always, uh, big shout out to everyone listening, subscribing uh, on all platforms uh, at Podcast Play On, Beer Rap and Banner at Beer Rap Bants, Beer Rap and Banner at gmail.com every weekend for your Monday commute, your Monday listen. Stay safe. I've been Ben English. I've been Ash. I've been Cal Serious. And Ben, we're going to have to get you on one of these quizzes next time. Yeah, yeah, look, yeah. For sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. sure. I'll have to do it. So we have gone over the uh, signings of the season reviews, uh, quick touch on the Bundesliga, um, Project Restart, South Korean sex dolls, Troy Deeney refusing to train, La Liga returning with some other leagues returning, uh, Lyon president not too happy with the French league starting, Man United suing football manager, Pope Guardiola does he return, Pochettino interview, Thank you for listening and have a good week. Peace. Peace. See, I'm just going to go to the toilet, guys. Dope as always, though.